Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I'm with my host. He could be the host. I'm with my guest today, Mr. James Thompson. And James, he has walked across America. He has been to Hawaii and has lived in Hawaii. He has had incredible tragedy in his life that he has uh, had to experience and live through. And he's got a bunch of other stories to share with us today, too. My guest is Mr. James Thompson. James, how are you today, my friend? Thank you so much for having me on that. Yeah, well, real pleasure to have you. I remember when I started to look at you on Instagram and, and see you know, some of your experience of traveling across America, I was interested. And then we tried to record about three months ago and something really tragic had just happened in your life. So we had to reschedule and I'd love to uh, just kick things off. James, if we're going to introduce you to our audience kick off today, what are three things that our audience should know about you as we dive in? Yeah, so you did mention a little bit about it. I think the most interesting thing is 2020, I walked across America with my friend, uh, Paul Chavez, and that was a life-changing experience. You know, it was during a really difficult time. All of us went through it, through COVID and through that crazy election year. The other thing I guess your audience should know is that I'm passionate for people. I love connecting with people. And that's actually a big reason I did that walk was I wanted to connect with people during a really uncertain time in our country's history. I wanted to show the good. And that's what I love about your podcast. It's about optimism. And I was pretty optimistic during playing playing. The other thing too is... I love telling stories. I'm a videographer, and so that's a big part of what I do, is I love inspiring people through stories. That's just a little bit about me and, and what I love to do. Awesome. Well, I'd love to clue into some of these stories. I'd love to hear a storyteller's lens, uh, walk across America. If you could recount for us What's the first story that really comes to mind that really mattered to you, that really just woke you up that you could share with us today? Yeah, that walk was, there's so many stories I could share from that walk. When we first stepped out, let me give some context first about what the walk was all about. It was from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. and then down to Virginia Beach. The goal was to go coast. There's really two parts of the walk. First was we wanted to encourage people to get outside and use walking as a form of meditation and to find healing and peace which is something I think everyone needed during 2020. The other part was, like I mentioned before, I wanted to share these stories of good going across the country. I want to share something that was interesting that happened when we were walking through the desert of Nevada. We were in the middle of nowhere. And I remember people telling me, you got to be careful when you're walking down certain parts of the road in Nevada because you could stumble across the road that you're not supposed to go down, like maybe Area 51 or something like that. And it was always like a half-teasing kind of thing. Like, you see two white trucks pull up, they sure turn around and start walking the other way. And I remember we would walk in the middle of the night to avoid extreme heat. And so I remember walking, and the sun was starting to rise. We were in the middle of nowhere, I think, along the, it's called Highway 50, if you're familiar with that part of Nevada. 
And I remember I was a little bit further ahead than my friend who was behind me. And I saw two white trucks pull up. And I'm thinking, oh boy, this, we must have went down some wrong road. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what to say. And I was always concerned about walking on a property that you know, was private. We never really knew because we were following Google Maps and it was never accurate. These two trucks pulled over, these guys get out. And I'm like, I felt a sense of relief. These don't look like government operatives. <laughs> I think they're okay. But it turned out to be these two guys, Steve and Juanis. Steve is a white guy. Juanis is a black gentleman. And they came over and asked, what are you guys doing? And we explained to them, we were doing this walk across America. And what they were doing is they were actually transporting the transporters. They transport things for people. And we just had this instant connection. And what was so amazing is because you see these two guys, right? And it's an unlikely pair, especially during the time of George Floyd, where there's so much racial division going on in the country. And we weren't trying to get critical with our walk, but we were trying to unite people through our experiences, right? And that's all we could really do is just share our perspective. And to see these two friends, Stephen Warnes, come together and then come and help us, they actually just dumped out their trucks. They gave us food, water, supplies, protection. They actually set up some type of AC unit that hooked up to our tents because we were sleeping during the middle of the day. And it was really hot. And they just went out of their way. They stopped what they were doing to come out and help us. Now, the interesting part about this is these two guys are actually ex-convicts. They've both been sent to prison. I don't know all of the details behind their sentencing, but what they told us is that they were both sent to prison for protecting people in their communities. There's an entire story around that, but just for the sake of time, I'll just say that these two guys, Stephen Wannis, were just amazing and I'm just so grateful that they pulled over it. And that's just a kind of an example of the kindness that we experienced along the way. People that were different than us. And, and Wannis would share this with us that, hey, look, we're actually not that different at all. Sure, maybe our skin, uh, skin tone is slightly different, but we're all twins, right? We're all brothers and sisters. And I just love that perspective because that's really what we experienced. We had interactions with people from all different walks of life, atheists, Muslim, and it doesn't matter. And anyway, without going on a rant here, I just want to say that interaction with Stephen Wallace really just revived some hope in me that humanity is really good. I love the rant, by the way, and I could not agree more that we all are just basically the same. We're all people. We all look or smell or sound or are different ages and different cultures. We're all people. I couldn't agree more. And I love that you can meet random strangers in the middle of the Nevada desert and make a friend and have a conversation and just be curious and be open to it. So I love everything you've shared. And I take that same sense of optimism or hope towards other people. I feel that genuinely I could get to know most people and be friends with them or at least be open to what they have to say and hear them. Whether I agree or not, still hear them. I appreciate that. I sense that about you, that you're open just to people in general. So that's good. I like it. Take us forward. Now, what's the next place after you escape or after you get out of the okay. desert? Where was the next part on the path here? Oh, okay. That was skipping into, there's a lot that actually happened in California that I'm looking yeah. at here. I would say one of the highlights of walking through Nevada, that there were some really weird things that happened in Nevada with us. Might be for a different podcast episode. Because when you say walk through Nevada, I think of the Simpsons episode where Homer Simpson <laughs> ate some mushrooms and was walking through the desert with Johnny Cash as an iguana. So what was weird about walking through the Nevada desert? You met a couple of prison, a couple of people who have been paroled from prison in white trucks. So that was weird and different. What else was weird and different in Nevada? So when we're getting out of Yosemite, so we walk through Yosemite and we get out and we're going through this place. It's called Mono Lake. It's over 
close to the California and Nevada border. And we go into this small town called Benton. And we go into this gas station and I meet this Paiute Native American. And he asked us what we were doing. We told him and he said, the boys are going through some mountains where there have been uh, Bigfoot sightings and Nephilims. And he said, this isn't just hearsay. This is the lady at the counter. I think her name is Shelby. It's about an experience that her and her friends actually had camping up through these mountains that we were walking through and how they were camping and all of a sudden they smelled this really strong, disgusting smell. And they picked out of their tent in the distance. They saw this creature that was coming towards them. So they packed up their stuff, got in the truck, and this creature started to follow them as they drove off. Just these different stories. And this Native American gentleman told us this is something that his people would experience all the time. And so I'm thinking like, okay, I don't know if I should believe this or not, like what is going on, but I know we have to go through this certain part. And although I never necessarily saw anything, at some point I felt like I was being watched. And maybe that was mountain lions. We actually got stalked by a mountain lion one time, which was terrifying if you've ever come across that. You got stalked by a mountain lion? Stalked by a mountain lion. Holy yeah. Well, how did you know you were being stalked? Did you see the lion somewhere? Did you hear it? How did you know? We were within a few hundred yards of it. Get out of here. And, a and, few hundred yards? Oh, oh my yeah. God. A few hundred yards. It was pretty dang close. It was in the bush. There's an entire story behind this. I don't know if you want to get into this story. Yeah, I want to hear about how you felt when you realized there's a mountain lion and it's a few hundred yards away. It's just you and your buddy. Do you have guns? Do you have long machetes? So <laughs> it was gifted a knife when I was going through the Mount Diablo um, range in the Bay Area because we came across. I'm from the city, so I don't know like bobcats dangerous or not. I remember thinking like this bobcat's going to kill me. It's not, but... After we walked past this bobcat, we ran into a guy that handed me a knife. He's like, take this. And I was like, okay. So anyway, let me give you some context around this story. The way that we actually made it alive through the Nevada desert was through a friend of ours who volunteered and drove my friend Paul's Subaru. So we had a support driver that went and got food and water and supplies and things like that for us. Once we got out to about the border of California and Nevada, she needed to go back to Yosemite to get food and supplies and do our laundry. This was pretty late at night. It was like seven or eight at night and we didn't have cell service. We couldn't get a hold of our friend Katrina. And we thought we'd keep on walking. I think we really had a place to stay. We happened to find a little BLM piece of land that we could set up our tent and on a hill. But the problem is that if Katrina came back to us, she wouldn't be able to find us because there's no lights out here in the middle of Nevada. So what we decided to do is rotate and take turns coming back down and try to flag her down if she happened to drive down this road. So as we were doing this, we would sleep for an hour and then I'd come down. And, and so as it was my turn to come down, I was listening to some music. I had my headphones in and then something told me to take them out. And right before I was taking the next step, I heard a rattlesnake. And I almost stepped on this rattlesnake in the middle of this road and it freaked me out. I would have been done. There's a guy named Mike Posner. He's a musician artist who walked across America in 2019. And he actually stepped on a baby snake and almost died. Like he had to go home for several months, learn how to walk again. And that was what's going through my mind as I'm thinking like, I hope this isn't a Mike Posner experience where I end up dying out here in the middle of nowhere because we don't have self-service. We don't know where Katrina is. So my friend over here is like just laughing his head off because he's like, idiot. you got to be paying attention. Right now I'm paranoid. I'm like, I don't trust where I'm walking. I got to be constantly looking down. But at the same time, you got to be looking up because 
there are semi trucks that sometimes drive by and there's like a shoulder to walk on. Right? But anyway, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock comes around, no sign of Katrina, no cell service. We run out of food and water. We're all like, what do we do? Once in a while, maybe a car will drive by and we actually happen to send an SLS. And somebody, I think, radioed the highway patrol showed up, gave us water. Again, it was an interesting experience because at this time, there's so much division going on between law enforcement and citizens, especially people of color, right? My friend who I was with represents that. He's a person of color. And so we just saw this kindness come from someone that's in law enforcement and provide water and support for us. That, again, not to get political, but it was an interesting story to share with people. Like, hey, look, all law enforcement are out there to get people, right? I totally agree with you. And my experience with my friends who are not white, at least, I've had mostly positive experiences with law enforcement. I tend to be with you. I think there are probably very few that are the bad apples. There are some bad apples everywhere. But yeah, there's mostly very positive. And I just wanted to throw that in there because of the podcast that we're on. We had a positive experience with law enforcement throughout the entire country. But my friend ended up getting food and water for us through this law enforcement agent while I was up in the tent sleeping. And I'm going to try to convince, there's so much I'm leaving out here, but it turns out Katrina got lost. She was headed to LA. She made it back to us, but not until like four or five in the morning. And we were just relieved. We thought that she like died or something, ran off the road and just slept through it. Next morning, we slept for a few hours. We're both exhausted. And we told Katrina about these wild mustangs that we heard about out in the desert and katrina is like let's go visit these wild mustangs so i'm like all right whatever i just want to go to a hotel and that was the plan is we were going to mark our location go to bishop california and just get a hotel room for the night and just pick up our walk the next day so we go out into the middle of the desert we're about maybe 15 miles into the middle of the desert and the sun is starting to go down and we see these wild horses out there and so I'm just exhausted. I'm in the car, just like relaxing. And my friend, Paul and Katrina, are going out, chasing after these horses. And then we get back in the car and they start driving off. And we get into this like really marshy part of the desert. And that's where the car gets stuck. And, and it's around that point that the sun is starting, starting to go down. We have no cell service. We're 15 miles away from the nearest road, which is also pretty desolate. There's no one that drives down that road fairly. And that's when this mountain lion starts to come and approach us. And we're actually trying to go out to this cabin in the middle of the desert and get some wood that we can use to try to get the car unstuck. And so this mountain lion is coming towards us thinking that we're food. My friend is just yelling at this mountain lion to like leave us alone. Anyway, it was such a wild experience. And then just things that we would see in the sky, walking through the desert at night, Things that weren't airplanes. I don't know what they were, but they would be in the sky and then just take off. This sounds like UFO stuff that you hear about Area 51 that sounds very conspiratorial. At least that's what the media would say. And if you're there in the desert, you're seeing stuff. I think that's super cool. What did you see? Is it lights? Is it sounds? What do you see out there? Lights. We were out by Tonopah, Tonopah, Nevada. And I remember looking in the sky and just thinking like why is there this light just like it's standing there but then it would move and then it would like abruptly move again and then it would just disappear and you're like what what is that it's not an airplane because airplanes gradually move across the sky at a certain pace but what i was seeing was it would be there and then zip across the, the sky and there's nothing the skies are clear right and there's nothing out there in that part of nevada no 
and play. And then there would be times where I'd be walking down this road, and then all of a sudden, this uh, brigade of like armored vehicles and police, highway patrol would take this some type of ship that was covered down this road, and we're like, "What? Is, what is going on?" Here? You're talking to me today, so you obviously escaped the mountain lion, and you get out of the desert. I'd love to keep going forward, James, and hear what's another key intersection uh, that you can remember from your trip across America. Let's talk about Nebraska because that place, as much as I love Nebraska, it was hell to walk through <laughs> because it was so cold. So it was in October. It's cold. It's windy. If you've ever driven through Nebraska, you know what I'm talking about. There's not much to look at. And so my friend and I are both feeling pretty down and discouraged. And I remember the trail that I was going on happened to be parallel with Union Pacific train tracks. It's just where Google told us to go. So this is where I'm walking. And then my friend was actually, I think, a few miles ahead of me. And uh, I remember him calling me and saying, hey, there's actually uh, agents out there. They know that you're like on private property. You need to make sure you get out of there fast. So I'm like making my way like out of this private property, cornfields. And I'm like, what if I get... What if I get caught? What if I get aggressive? This is not a good look for our cause, right? I'm just thinking like, this is so stressful. And we finally get into town. I think this was, where was this? This was Western Nebraska. So I'm trying to remember what the city was. Anyway, we ended up camping that night. There's a lot that happened that night and the next morning. We ended up picking up the English Shepherd puppy along the way. That's another story. We got this puppy in Colorado, and it was more of an emotional support talk for us because what we were going through. And so we thought, yeah, let's bring a puppy with us for the rest of this walk. James, are you and your friend, as you walk across the country, you said you camp. Are you camping most nights, like outside, sleeping under the stars in your own tent that you're taking with you? Yeah, yeah I would okay. say a good portion of the time. Maybe once in a while we would sleep in a hotel or, or stay with somebody. And this one particular night, I didn't have really any contacts in Nebraska. And so I'm thinking, this is going to be a long walk through Nebraska. It's cold, it's windy. It's not like the mountains or the desert where you could just cut your tent anywhere. Like, you're dealing a lot more with private property and people that are very protective of their land. I'm walking this one day, and I've got my puppy on the side, and this lady pulls over, she's probably in her early 20s, and she's like, is that your dog or is that a stray? And I, I explained to her, that's my dog, and we're walking across the country, and she's like, huh, interesting. And she's like, do you guys need anything? And I said, I'm like, don't ask this. This is going to sound really strange. It's like, we could use a place to sleep tonight and meal. I was not expecting her to say yes, because she doesn't know who we were. And my friend at the time, he's got this beard. I don't look threatening, but my friend on the other hand, looks like you just got, I don't want to say like prison, but it looks a little rough around the edge, right? But like one of the kindest people. And so I'm thinking like, there's no way she's going to let two guys stay in her home. She's like, you can stay at my house. And I'm thinking, okay. So we do. We stayed at her place over the night. And when we got there, she made us dinner. She got this gift basket full of treats and toys for our dog. And here's what's so crazy about this entire story. I'm like wanting to reassure her that we're not serial killers, that we are legit and that we are actually doing this walk across America for peace. Showed her our Facebook page and everything. And, and then we connected on Facebook. And then when I saw that we actually had a mutual friend in common. And it was this guy named Johnny Dinkle. He's a big podcaster here in Utah. And I'm like, what are the chances that she actually grew up with this guy that I know? 
And so I'm like, oh, thank God. This guy can actually vouch for us that we're legit. And, that we and so anyway, that was such an amazing, I don't want to say it's a coincidence because it's not. I think it was actually supposed to happen. But then Shelby, that's her name, Shelby, connected us with her parents who lived along our route. And then her parents connected us with several people. We just had these places to stay along the way through Nebraska, which was massive. And that, and there's so many stories that go along with those experiences. And I can believe that it just worked out that way. I would say right now, just so this applies to your audience, is like whenever you feel like you're in a, in a tough spot, just know that things will work out the way that they're supposed to. And I didn't know if we were going to get through Nebraska. It just did. You made it. How long was the entire trip? You said, I made a note here. You said you went from California, San Francisco to DC to Virginia Beach. How long did that take you, James? So we started June 24th. We left, we finished in January 13th. So it took us about seven, over the course of seven months. So it was about 204 days, I believe. And that's wow. how we're taking days off. And I think we took a few days off in one week. And That's fantastic. What an amazing story. What did you do when you finally got to the end? How did you guys celebrate when you finally made it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you this. So we actually made it to DC the day before January 6th. Our target was DC, but we had no idea that we were going to show up on such a huge day. And we all know what happened on January 6th, 2021. That was the day of the insurrection and the rally. So here we are. We just finished this walk for peace and we show up to DC at that point. And I'm glad that we didn't just finish there in DC because that would have been a little anticlimactic if we had finished our walk there. But we continued our way down to Virginia Beach. And I remember when we finished, I think I was like, let's just go celebrate and get sushi. So we got sushi. And then the um, next day, I think we ended up going up to Salisbury, Maryland, which is on the coast. And Salisbury is known as City USA. And that was really one of the best ways to finish that walk was city council came out and we had the news media come out and they celebrated what we just did. And it was a great experience to connect with this community that is known for kindness and taking care of their people. And uh, it wasn't really about us, it was about demonstrating like, look, there's a lot of crazy things that happen in this world. We just experienced it in DC, right? I don't believe that that's a true reflection of, of who we are as a country. To me, it's that small town in, in Salisbury, Maryland, where they showed us a bunch of support, they showed support to the homeless community. Yeah, do they always agree with each other on political issues? No, I know that because I sat and talked with people on their city council and, and they all have differences in political views, right? But what was so amazing is to be able to finish on that note and just see their kindness firsthand. Super cool. See, this is an amazing story to hear from someone who walked across America. So I thank you for sharing your journey there. Is there a place that we might see your videography or your picture guide of you going across America, James? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. So Instagram is James Allen Thompson, and Allen is spelled A-L-A-N. And that's where I post a lot of my content. I just recently finished doing a 24-hour, it turned out to be about 33-hour, 50-mile walk from Provo to Salt Lake City. I wanted to do something towards the end of the year that would challenge myself and finish on a high note. And so I'll be posting some content about that recently. And yeah. I'm going to be doing some highlights from, from my walk across the country, some content that I haven't shared before as I'm getting ready to publish my book. So publishing the book. So when the book comes out as a professional storyteller, videographer, I'm 
super curious to hear about some more of the stories and to see more of the videos and, and more pictures and see it. When might we expect this book to come out about your walk across America? The goal is to have it finished before the summer of next year. There was a story that it's taken me three years to really finish this book, but there's a story that happened this summer. I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but there's a story that connects with what happened when we made it to DC on January 4th. And I needed to include that at the very beginning of my book forward to that and should be powerful. It's more about the stories than it is necessarily myself because like that's the most inspiring part of it. It's much bigger than me, right? Like there are other people that have walked across America and that's why I really try to place emphasis on is it's not about how awesome we are. It's about how awesome all the people we interacted with are. Absolutely, absolutely. And kudos to you, my friend, for publishing a book. I know that my first book comes out on March 8th, 2024, and I was on the bench for so many years. I always wanted to do it and never made the time for the extra little things that needed to be perfect. So I finally let go of all that, and now we have a book coming out on March 8th. So kudos to you, and looking forward to hearing how that book turns out. And maybe we have you back on the show around book launch time so we can show the book and maybe read a passage from it and share with the audience a little bit more of what they're going to see. Because I've truly enjoyed hearing about it. You only told three or four stories. Yeah, so I'm excited about hearing 204 days. There's a bunch of other days to be missed. Super grateful that you're on the show today to share it. I'm Thank curious, you. as someone who is a filmmaker and a writer and a videographer, who has influenced you the most in your filmmaking and your passion there, James? Oh, that's such a good question. I would say recently, man, that's such a good question. I think the person that comes to my mind is a friend of mine named Logan Visser. Logan is, nobody really knows who he is, but he's really the one that inspired me to get into filmmaking and just to be authentic and how I tell my stories. But to be honest with you, I think the person that really comes to my mind as far as inspiration goes is a guy named Lewis House. I think that he's a great storyteller. He tells a lot of stories. He's a podcaster as well. And he's kind of inspired me to get out there and tell other people's stories. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. I have not heard of your friend Logan yet, but I have heard of Lewis. And I think his his book and his podcast, his book, The, the Mask of Masculinity, it was a real breakthrough for empowering, I would say, people that might identify like him. Because I identify with someone like him, someone who had this perception of being this strong male athlete who growing up didn't really show the, the emotion or the feelings as much. And then being able to be transparent, comfortable sharing that and, and working through that. That's been a very transformational. So I think we have that in common, or at least Lewis has been an influence on me too. How about music? What's a song or a genre or some musician that really inspires you and fills your bucket, James? I love that question. Ryan Tedder from the band One Republic is by far, I think, one of the most talented songwriters, producers, musicians in the world, period. He's written for so many artists and his own band, One Republic. And his music is really what carried me throughout that walk. I know it's really poppy and maybe a lot of people hear their mainstream songs on the radio, but... They've got some music that really just kind of fits with my soul. And the lyrics, I think, are just so intentional. They've got a couple of songs. One song that just comes to my mind is called Monday. And that song is really about not taking for granted the things I think a lot of times we do and just realizing what's important and that's relationships. And what I realized about that walk was I had to let go of everything. I had to let go of physical things, mental things and really just rely on relationships in my life. 
And so yeah. I would say Mind Tether is probably one of my all-time favorite artists, musicians. No, I love it. I love the idea of just having to let go of everything and just be, I frame it as let go of everything, just be present, just be whoever you're with right now, whatever circumstance you're in, just be present and let go of it all. And I, I love that you even put me in that frame of mind. I love that. Love that. So you give me some Spotify ammunition as soon as we hang up here, I'm going to go and check out someday. And also, I've been, I haven't listened to Lewis's podcast in a while. I'm going to do that. So thanks for the inspiration today. Last question here, James. You're on the Eternal Optimist podcast. What does Eternal Optimist mean to you? For me, it's all about remaining hopeful for the future and also the present. We just talked about being in the present and looking for the good. And that's really what I strive to do on a walk across America is to look for the good. I recently just saw this movie called The Shift. And I don't know if it's going to be playing where you are, but you get a chance to watch it and, and I'll just say that this movie is about this guy who gets into this car accident and he gets shipped into a different reality and it's a really dark kind of dystopian kind of society and he's looking for all the good. I think that's really what it's, it's all about. There's always a way for us to find the good in the world that we're living in. And I think it begins with us, looking for the good within us first and then that reflects into the rest of the world around us.